Straw Hut Media. Alison Stoner got her start in acting when she was just six years old. She got a gig hosting Mike's Super Short Show on Disney Channel. Then she went on to be the little girl with pigtails from Missy Elliott's music video. But you probably know her from her roles in nostalgic movies like Cheaper by the Dozen, Camp Rock, and the Step Up franchise. Like many child actors, Allison has since spoken out about the intense conditions of her childhood and how she barely escaped the toddler to train wreck pipeline. Today, she lives a pretty ordinary life. She's furniture shopping for her new home, going to the farmer's market on the weekends, and researching what college she wants to take classes at. She's even spoken up about falling in love with a woman for the first time. Today, we talked to Allison about the effects her Hollywood career had on her childhood, her first crush, mental health, and starting fresh. Hey, I'm Allison Stoner, and this is Pride. Well, I'm glad to have this opportunity because I would love to share how normal and ordinary I am as a human being. Allison didn't have what most people would consider a normal childhood. As a young actor, she was under a lot of pressure and spent a lot of time on set. But the effects of being an actor were less geographical and more psychological. So I'm socialized differently as a child who has a public platform. I experience intimacy differently because I'm unable to be authentically myself in case someone ends up using facts about my personal life against me. There's a public safety aspect where I'm trained at a young age to perceive threats at a distance and close by due to dealing with stalkers and maybe fans who are really well-intended but don't understand that the psychological relationship they have with me is not the same one that I have with them. This is actually called a parasocial relationship. It's most common with celebrities and is when one party believes that they know the other party and have a level of intimacy, while the other party is completely unaware of their existence. And I had some unique media training where I had to learn how to neutralize my expressions so that someone didn't assume I was overly positive or overly negative toward them before actually having a genuine encounter. I would actually manipulate my facial expressions as I walked through a grocery store to make sure people didn't get mixed signals from me to the best of my ability. And that kind of um, preoccupation with self is not healthy, um, but also the fact that it's tied to your own sense of safety is like really mind blowing. And then on top of it, we're viewed as divas if we choose not to engage with someone without any context of what else was going on in our lives. Maybe we have the flu, maybe we just lost a loved one, maybe we didn't get any sleep because we working all night, and yet that might ruin our reputation and then ruin our hireability and, you know, the chain reaction ensues. As a public figure, you're expected to speak on world topics, whether or not you're an expert. For Allison, this meant giving her opinion on issues and debates that she had no previous knowledge of. 
And based on my answer, even if I'm 10 years old, I might, you know, anger millions of people or ruin my career. There's also the physiological effects of chronic stress, of um, inconsistent schedules, of enrolling yourself uh, to portray another human who has different reactions than you authentically do. It can blur the lines of your understanding of where your identity begins and ends because you're now this amalgam of all the people you've auditioned to play. And in, in so doing, for example, the audition room, if you have a casting director who is watching you portray something that's quite horrific, uh, the irony is if you do a positive job, you're rewarded and people actually end up awarding you for your ability to access traumatizing states. Um, as a young female going through puberty, I was asked to do certain things as a very young female that I now know are completely inappropriate, but at the time I just thought were, you know, prerequisite for me getting hired. But this is just the beginning. There are so many aspects that go into a career in Hollywood, like finances. No one is quite prepared for just how taxing and trying it is to break into the industry, let alone for families who have other kids and are trying to maybe relocate across the country like my family did. It breaks families apart. It leads to divorce. It leads to abuse. And then there's this idea of child labor, which is something that most people don't really think about when they think of a kid actor. Because Hollywood is all glitz and glamour, right? And so this is its own strange version that is actually celebrated by the general public. And we at home, when we watch, uh, we watch programming and we see young people, hardly ever are we thinking, hmm, I wonder if they worked 18 hours that day overnight uh, to get that shot. And I wonder what the set environment was like. Maybe they were exposed to, uh, you know, extreme substance abuse and Yet I'm just watching them and laughing because they said the line in a funny way. So it's it's really complicated. Um, and that's actually why I'm going back to school to study further and psychology, um, because I, I would like to be able to provide tools for people to, um, to heal and to feel equipped to manage uh, what pursuing a career in entertainment actually entails. It's a lot of acting, on and off screen. Even when Allison was just out and about at the grocery store, her reactions to everything around her came from the training she was put through as a kid in order to handle different situations. So in some ways, I had this persona of Allison who was able to socialize and go out and perform. But then I had inner Allison who was completely um, dissociated. So I was also shape-shifting at a surface level, depending on what room I'm in and who's, who I'm around. And I know many of us can relate to that, no matter what our upbringing is. While some of us might have done this on a smaller scale, like choosing your words more carefully around your parents rather than around your friends, for Allison, it caused her to live in a constant state of disassociation and affected her ability to understand her own sexuality and her identity. So for me, I think 
um, growing up, I sexuality was like not even it's not even an area that was on my mind because I never had time to even feel into my body enough to notice, oh, I'm developing sexually. I only knew my sexuality as defined by the character breakdowns that I was going in, you know, for auditions. Um, the depictions of sexuality and sexual orientation, um, the, the expression of what it means to be sexy, uh, what it means to connect with someone sexually, those were all filtered through media. Again, not uncommon for all of us, but I was just the one actually <laughs> creating the material. And like many queer individuals, Allison struggled to define her sexuality while having a very strong thread in church. Unfortunately, my particular church congregation often was not grounded in a physiological experience. There was a lot of spiritual bypassing. So we were so focused on these elevated states of, you know, spiritual ascension, we'll call it broadly, and connection with the divine, that we weren't actually dealing with everything we were carrying emotionally and physically. Um, so I think that combination of factors for sure led me to be an expert on everyone else's psychology and very confused about my own. Thankfully, I was in therapy at a young age. And I think if not for my therapist, I wouldn't have found a way to safely re-inhabit my body and um, begin to kind of thaw from that extended frozen period. This frozen period left Allison a stranger to her own body. For years during her childhood, she felt like her body and her emotions weren't really hers. This meant she went years without even developing a crush on anyone. People talk about having crushes at eight years old, 12 years old. And I only ever was able to speak to that from an intellectual understanding of like, well, theoretically, I think this person is attractive according to this criteria. You know, it was never like, oh my gosh, my heart is racing and they are so cute and I am blushing and I'm giddy. It wasn't until Allison was in her 20s that she began to develop a real crush. And I think at that, that age, I was starting to actually come into my body again. So I was even noticing sensations, noticing attractions, noticing desires. And I was much later than my friends, you know. While attending a dance workshop her friend had recommended for her, Allison's attention was drawn to another woman in the class. I went through the whole list of like, am I just admiring her? Is this someone I want to become? And that's why I'm fixated on her. Is something wrong with me? What's going on? Um, but for sure, that's one of the most special moments of my life because it changed the course of who I've become as a human being. And I, I believe and feel that I have expanded in my capacity to love humans so much because of that experience. Because with being attracted to her meant really deconstructing and unpacking all of the ideas I had about love, about intimacy, about faith, about so many things. Um, and so I, I think in, in many ways that relationship cracked me open to uh, a, a literal whole new world. 
Just this year, Allison opened up to Insider about her struggle to accept herself and her sexuality. Because of her religious upbringing, she grew up believing that being queer was a sin. But she did offer this advice to anyone who is struggling with their faith and their identity. So first, I fully recognize that your attraction might uh, feel like a contradiction, uh, a sin, a um, you know so- something that is that is fraught with severe consequences, not only for your soul eternally, but also your family relationships, your community support systems, um, and also just how you perceive the world. So I want to recognize how difficult it is to carry things that feel like they they don't um, work together and yet they they both feel important or natural or real. And I also want to say, second, I have no interest in convincing you of any particular philosophy or uh, dogma. And I, I am not here to say what you currently believe is wrong or right. That is such an intimate, intimate journey toward, you know, one's pursuit of truth and meaning. And so I'm not here to alienate you because of your beliefs or because of your sexuality. Um, Third, take your time in this process because when, as humans, we have this thing called our schema, our psychological schema. And when we're introduced um, to information that is contradictory to our current schema, our brains are trained to either deny it and just clear it because it doesn't belong, or to look for ways to disprove it. Or if we it actually gets past that barrier and we actually let it penetrate, that means we might actually kind of unravel a bit. If you feel like you are unraveling right now and going through a dark night of the soul, I know it's difficult and it is normal. That moment of crisis is common and you are not alone in this. If you need to seek support from a professional, do so. If you need to find new community, do so. Um, If you need to DM me and reach out, do so. But know that, that you are not the first to experience this and there are dozens of options for you moving forward if you choose to stay within your same community or or find a new one, if you choose to shift your beliefs or shift how you express your sexuality, you are entitled to that choice and that decision. Um, and that is between you and, and your faith. And yeah, I just want people to know that. I think sometimes there's a pressure t- to try and reconcile everything and make it fit or to like throw away one so that you can keep the other and just know um yes we live in a very like binary culture so we try to see things in either or a lot of this that you're dealing with is a both and and you get to be in charge of how those different ingredients um, come together to be you know make the recipe of who you are A lot of who Allison was as a child was influenced by her time in church and by the characters she played on TV, like Caitlin Geller in Camp Rock and Sarah Baker in Cheaper by the Dozen. But there were very few characters in media at the time that showcased any queer representation, especially in media produced by Disney. 
Well, I never saw a queer character on any Disney series growing up, so I didn't even know that was an option. Disney has since introduced more LGBTQ plus inclusive stories onto their platforms like the animated series The Owl House and their Marvel series Loki. So I think that it does help us know that if we have these authentic parts of ourselves, they are valid, they are natural, and they can be um, expressed in healthy, safe ways, as opposed to some of the depictions we see, you know, queer relationships uh, affiliated with these, you know, horrible constellations of, of uh, c connections where it's like, you know, it's, it's criminalized or it's just seen as less than human or whatever. So I, I hope that sheer representation allows for young people to feel like they have the ability to be more themselves. Um, but also I think it has to be coupled with an elevated public consciousness across the board because families I know are still generationally speaking fixed on other ideas ideologies and they'll just simply not permit their kids to watch the shows that have queer representation. So it takes the whole village humanizing each other to actually, I think, um, make a difference. Otherwise you, you could stoke stigma and discrimination. Um, so, you know, it's a mixed bag. We're dealing with human beings. We're complicated and everyone has their own even if it's purely people talking about nostalgia, as in like, Disney's not what it used to be, they might not realize that there's homophobia embedded in what they're saying, but um, inevitably some people are just, you know, kind of stuck in what they know and unable to move beyond it. So if we could, if we could help people find a rounder perspective, then yes. Um, I just also hope that the representation isn't super stereotypical all the time. If it can just be like, okay, this character is attracted to who they're attracted to, but that doesn't have to be like the main event of the episode. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's psychology and action on camera. So it's humans and corporations ugh, and all the pride campaigns where people monetize on queerness. It's just so, it's so many things. <laughs> when we come back, Allison's wellness platform, her new book, and new beginnings. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Allison Stoner, an actress and activist who you might know from her roles on Disney in films like Camp Rock and Step Up. Allison has been acting since she was six, and now she's taking a break from the hustle and bustle of Hollywood to focus and find herself. And if you check out Allison's social media currently, you'll see a lot of her content is geared towards mental health. She's extremely transparent on her platform and shares a lot of the ups and downs of being an adult. She also shares tips for others when it comes to mental health, something Allison has been exploring for many years. I will admit that as a young person, because I was in a home environment that had abuse and addiction, as well as uh, an industry that was chaotic, I really did dig into you know, self-help books and searching online for answers. 
people might have a different opinion on what exactly mental health is and how we should be taking care of it. Allison shared what her understanding of the term is. When we use the term mental health, a lot of us just think about the mind and the brain. But the mind is situated in the body and the body is situated in an environment. So if when we're trying to care for our mental health, we don't consider all of the factors influencing our body and environment, we're only getting a small fragment of um, our wellness actually cared for. So that is why I focus on mind-body <laughs> uh, tools for, for transformation. And that's why I, the second that something clicks for me, yes, I, I trust that I am not unique in that out of eight other, you know, billion people, there's likely one person who might have somewhat of a similar experience and could maybe benefit from the same information. So I do like to share that. Allison shares helpful tips on her Instagram account and posts videos of her dancing or taking a break to just breathe over on her TikTok account. But eventually she decided to take her wellness platform she had created one step further. At the beginning of the pandemic, I led a 14-day mindful movement live series and over 150,000 people tuned in on Instagram and YouTube. And we used very specific kinds of techniques that allowed people to reconnect with themselves and um, decrease the amount of stress present in their bodies physiologically. And it also helped people tap into their creativity because we were, these were a bit conceptual. It was like guided free movement. And it showed us that being in a body, um, we often think of the body and exercise purely from a fitness perspective and from almost a, the fact that the body is seen kind of as a project that we're trying to constantly fix or improve, um, as opposed to a very core element of who we are as a, as a human being. And it has its own source of intelligence and information about your life experiences and everything that's stored within. So the classes themselves were very popular. And I thought, how can I make these available um, on demand, uh, depending on your schedule and your availability? I want it to be affordable. I want it to be virtual. I want you to just be able to come as you are. So you don't have to try and, you know, stoke your motivation for some intense workout, you can truly be in whatever mood, whatever energy level, and still have a chance to reconnect with yourself and understand how you move through the world. And from there, we started um, creating these different movement categories, and it became Movement Genius. So we are now in beta, and you're more than welcome to try it. It's the, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. And to see people having transformative experiences where they feel empowered in their skin authentically is like exactly what we're striving for because wellness itself can be, there are so many barriers to the wellness industry and there's such a narrow representation of what wellness looks like, what programs are serving who. And so we want to really broaden that. And a lot of our faculty, as well as, of course, founders included, are queer. And that alone is a differentiator. Just having a, another layer of mindfulness and awareness and how you design 
spaces for people to feel comfortable, uh, to be themselves and to, to feel well in their bodies. In May of 2021, Allison published her first book to help support both LGBTQIA plus individuals and allies with their mind-body connection. Oh, I mean, personally, that is, writing a book is one of my highest accomplishments, even if it's not as, you know, grand as performing in front of 40,000 people for, you know, the way society might quantify things, um, but Mind Body Pride, which we're actually creating a second version right now um, that will be Mind Body Movement, uh, so it's for everyone. But Mind Body Pride, the first version, was a specifically uh, queer-focused seven-step guide to reconnecting your mind and body. And it helps people uncover the story that they've been telling in their mind and body. And then with that conscious awareness, start to explore and experiment with what story you want to tell. Um, and that deep holistic transformation does take time. So there are journal prompts, there are movement classes uh, that accompany the book to help you actualize this transformation instead of just reading it um, and, and ideating um, about the person you want to become. So, as you know, queer folks face disproportionate challenges in terms of mental and emotional and physical health challenges. So I wanted to um, speak specifically to those lived experiences um, and bring in experts, uh, clinicians, to review the material, add to it. Um, and, and help people feel like they authentically can embody who they are and celebrate that. Um, and yeah, it's self-paced. So if, you, you know, if you're interested and you're like, okay, I, I feel disconnected from myself or I just feel overwhelmed with stress and I don't understand what's going on, um, you know, check it out. And it's super affordable and that's a huge thing for me as well. For the month of Pride, I think it was like less than five bucks for the book and all the movement courses. And that's like, that excites me. I probably my business advisors are like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, the people who already can afford to get help have that access. Who, who's missing it? And how can we open the door a little wider? At 27 years old, Allison has moved more than 27 times. She's never in her life had a long time place to call home. Um, and I had a hard time grounding because I just sort of was always in a frenzy uh, inside and out. And so finding a home for me is a part of a transitional period where I'm letting go of the past chaos and also a lot of entertainment oriented projects because I moved outside of Los Angeles. Living in LA can sound like a dream come true for some people. It's where all the dreamers come to be discovered. But for Allison, it was just a reminder of some of the more traumatic parts of her life. Unfortunately, my experience with the industry sometimes is more like dealing with an abusive partner. <laughs> and so getting out of that, I have some shame and embarrassment to say it took me about 10 years to actually leave. But I am super grateful that I finally made the decision and it's allowing my 
entire body to relax in a way I haven't ever felt. It's the weirdest thing because everyone wants to be there because you want to be part of LA and the action and all of the stuff. But when you leave it, there is this weird feeling where you're like, oh my gosh, everywhere else doesn't feel like that. Like, and, and I'm, that feeling is not necessarily positive, right? Like so overwhelming yeah. and like tight, if that's a weird way to describe it, but it feels like tight, like tight. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what you're speaking to or potentially speaking to is a physiological response, like the lower back tension that is constant, no matter how much you stretch or work out or go to physical therapy. If you have a certain kind of chronic stress, like your flexibility, mobility, all of these things are negatively affected. And I feel like when I was in LA, I had a herniated disc in my spine and, uh, and a lot of different health issues. And since I've, I've moved out, uh, for many reasons, of course, coming together, but I, my health is improving almost instantly. And I know that many people either cannot leave LA um, or they love it. And so there's nothing wrong with it, but just figuring out what works for you. And if you have the capacity to create a more optimal space, then like, I think that's, that's a gift worth um, pursuing. After she purchased her first home, she shared a video on Instagram where she's overwhelmed with emotions over having her own space. Because I'm relaxing, it's also letting all this other stuff that was, you know, deeply embedded inside come up to the surface. And that's a bit overwhelming. It's really emotional. I find that every day I'm having bouts of tears and um, sometimes they're joyful, sometimes they're full of grief and regret. Um, but for the most part, I know that I I wouldn't have been able to feel into my, my inner world um, without this kind of stability. So I, I so badly hope for everyone that they have stable housing or a safe, secure environment where they can actually process things and grow instead of always being in a state of threat. Now that she's all moved in, Allison has been purchasing some home essentials, like kitchen utensils and a new mattress. But when it comes to interior decorating, she's a bit stumped. Um, but yes, ironically, I do have space, but I'm not looking to fill it with furniture. Um, I am pretty minimal in my lifestyle. Uh, the only things that I know I need are whatever guests need when they come over. <laughs> so that's that's been a little intimidating is like, interior design is so overwhelming if like where do you begin how do you make everything coordinate why is it so expensive and also like what are the essentials because going online all the stores tell you that like you need 50 different things in every room and i'm like i think i only need a chair and a bed <laughs> <laughs> so like what are the essentials when i'm hosting if you have any tips, please. Like, what do I need if guests, if you come over, what do you need? I'll be I mean, sure I to think, get it. I think I'll be fine with the chair and the bed. We'll, we'll make that work. And we can just have like a little, you know, we'll sit on the floor and, and chat. Oh my we don't gosh. Need stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a TV myself, but I'm going to probably have to get one for 
guests. You're probably going to have to get that also for like, if you do have anything that projects are doing, they're like, oh, you need to watch this. You'd be like, hmm. I guess you right. watch it on your computer, though. You could do that. You'd be like, I don't need your TV. Just watch it on there. Send See? me a link. Yeah. Listen, I wrote my book on my phone. So, 2021. I mean, that's impressive. Coming at you. Yeah, because, you know, I wasn't in a stable place as much. So, I was, like, constantly on the go and in the car between meetings or something. Like, writing a book. Now I now I have a desk. Imagine. And a geometric installation behind you. I know. You could throw stuff on that if you wanted to for a minute. Like I I could. (laughs) Empty shelves look really nice though. They do. They really do. It's funny. I'm in the process of selling my house right now in LA. And I'm currently back in Arizona where I grew up. And Allison, she's looking to go back to school, possibly at Arizona State University, my alma mater. Go Devils! Because I didn't have a traditional education, I'm starting at the basics anyway, so I think it might be like a good middle path. I grew up watching Allison on TV, and to speak with her now really felt like a full circle moment. Because of this, I had to share with her what this experience really meant to me. I do want you to know how happy I think not only it makes me, because we talked about that, like, I forget what you called it, parasocial relationship, is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you feel like you know them. But it does make me very happy because my perception of you growing up as a kid watching you on TV was that you were very spunky and happy. And knowing after you became an adult what life was really like, it that's really sad, right? Because you, especially with Disney being the foundation, you really want it to be happy and magical and all those things. When you find out they're not, it's sad. So it is. it definitely makes me happy to see that you're happy mm-hmm. and as a, as a real person, not as... Allison, who's who yeah. I remember from TV. So yeah. I do want you to know that and how many people that when I talked to them about you coming on, you made a big difference in their lives. Yeah. So you should feel, mm-hmm. I don't know, happy about that and powerful because you did something great. Thank you. That means a lot. And I, I hear it with very different ears than when I was in the rat race and was just like, but I'm not booking any new roles and oh no, there's something wrong with me. So thank you for sharing that. And and I do want to be clear that I don't I don't see Disney totally as this this horrible beast. It's made up of systems and structures that reflect culture, that reflect society, and individuals in there were very supportive and very caring. And so it's, you know, and I, I'm not saying that because I'm under some scary contract and like someone's going to off me. I genuinely mean it was a it was a mixed bag because because that's how complex it is to industrialize a child, you know, at seven years old and to still have a production with deadlines, but also a kid who needs to go to school and deliver their lines, you know, well, so it's a complex issue. I invite people to kind of just, when they're watching media, just to kind of think about the humans and also think about themselves. Think about your own childhood and maybe which parts you had, you know, an excess amount of support and you can be grateful for that. And then which areas maybe you had a deficiency in and how as an adult you can kind of reclaim those and and challenge your earlier patterns and free yourself to you know, feel confident about the decisions you're making. To 
follow Allison's journey, find new tips on her wellness platform, or connect with any of her big projects, you can follow Allison on Instagram and TikTok at Allison Stoner and go to her website, allisonstoner.com. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Then follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. And remember to tune in weekly for new episodes. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and subscribe to our podcast for more amazing stories from queer people around the world. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me at Levi Chambers everywhere. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, Ryan Tillotson, and Caitlin McDaniel. Edited by Silvana Alcala and Daniel Ferreira. Sound mixing by Silvana Alcala. We will make you sound so brilliant. You already sound brilliant, so it's going to be so brilliant. It is all about maintaining the image. I want pure perfection so that my professors at ASU will graduate me with whatever the highest honors are.